listening to Downworlder Dish, a Shadowhunter Chronicles podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 32, where we will be discussing chapter 15 of City of Ashes. (laughs) Where we will be discussing chapter 15 of City of Ashes, The Serpent's Tooth. I'm Kristen. I'm Robin. And I'm Amanda. Woohoo! It's me. I feel like I say my name differently than I do in real life, by the way. Amanda. <laughs> I don't actually say it that way. Trying to get every syllable. <laughs> syllable. Put the wrong emphasis on the wrong <laughs> syllable. <laughs> oh my gosh. How was your guys' weekend? Great. So it was Andy's birthday. And um, we knew, you know, we did the family stuff, whatever. And then his friends took him golfing. There were like five of them that went. And he legit, he left at 7 something in the morning, 7.15. Did not get home. Remember how I was like, hey, no way, he's still going to be golfing at 8 o'clock. Like, I'm not going to get any time for myself, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was just joking about it. Uh-huh. He was, he didn't get home till almost 10. Wow. Yeah. They literally golfed until they could not see anymore. I'm like, how are you not? Like, he had to take Advil in the morning because he's just tired, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, he got a hole in one and yeah, he was very excited. And like, I was like, and you have witnesses because there were so many of them. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be so cool if it was like videoed. Yeah. Yeah. He has obviously has lots of pictures, but, Mm -hmm. but it's funny because he's, he's a golfer Mm -hmm. and we've been together, you know, we're married 11 years and a couple months and he's never told me I'm going to get a hole in one. And all the night before he was just so excited about going to hang for the entire day and all this big golf day that they had planned. All night the night before, he's telling the baby and I, We're, I'm going to get a hole-in-one tomorrow, and I'm going to come home tomorrow and tell you guys about my hole-in-one. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then he did, and it was just the coolest. So anyway. That's awesome. I have to add that in there. That's all. Happy birthday, Andy. Happy birthday, Andrew. He's um celebrating, as he kept saying, his thirty his 11th anniversary of turning 33 or some shit. Sure. <laughs> 31 or something. I don't know what it is. 40, 30. Anyway. My bad. Stop. Oh my gosh. You can do math. I did nothing. What about you? We went on a road trip to look at a car that we didn't buy. It's crazy. (laughs) A long ass road trip, dude. It was all day. It was like four hours there and then I think it took like three hours back because we had to stop and do all kinds of stuff on the way there. So, but... Yeah, we listened to the last book in the Infernal Devices because my husband has, I forced him to listen to the first book and then he's the kind of person like he can't start and then like not know how it ends. Uh, me too. And so then when he finished the first three, when he finished City of Glass, I made him start on the Infernal Devices. So he's reading in the same order that we will be reading. Okay. And so uh, we got to listen to it and I hadn't read the infernal devices since the first time I read it. Cause like I didn't like it that much when I first read it, mm. but I love it so much more now. I think I needed to be a little bit more mature to appreciate it. Okay. But, and I think it helps that I've read the other ones and I kind of, you're connecting. Yeah. Well, and I just read the last hours. So is Jason liking it? yeah he liked the infernal devices better of course but yeah he liked the character the main characters in the infernal devices better than he likes jason clary and crew okay okay but i don't know i almost obviously it's there's characters that are in all of them Mm -hmm. 
Okay. I won't say all of them because I haven't read all of them. Right. There are characters in... Throughout. The Mortal Instruments and the Infernal Devices that are the same. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I um, I almost think of them as separate entities because I yeah. can't pick which one I like the best. Yeah. But I do really... It's one of my favorite books, obviously. Yeah. I think while like this... Rereading it now because I think so much deeper about it because of the podcast, I I think I really like Infernal Devices better because I as I was reading it, I was thinking of things that I would say on the podcast about it. Awesome! Like as we went through, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, and I I love the way because my husband's brain like he he'll he wants to talk about the book, right? So when we're done with a chapter, if like we stop listening or whatever, we get home and then I'm like, okay, so what do you think about this? And then, or cause he listens on his lunch break. And so when he gets home, he'll be like, okay, so this is what happened. And, and then he like has theories and they're most of the time, right. But sometimes wrong. And then I let him think that the wrong thing is going to awesome. happen. <laughs> and then he gets mad at me. <laughs> like you said and I'm like ha you can't believe anything I say it's a red herring (laughs) yeah (laughs) I don't know to me obviously we're only into the middle of City of Ashes right yeah we we just started part three of City of Ashes last week okay so I think there's four parts yeah about the middle yeah but to me Obviously, there's lots of world building that has to go into City of Bones and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, there's action and stuff that's happening and we're moving towards a purpose. Mm-hmm. But to me, the Infernal Devices is more like a mystery. I don't know. It does. It feels more... You're right. It, it does. It feels more like a mystery. It feels more like a sleuth. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like there's little hints and then you've got to try and figure out the bigger mystery. Whereas this book is definitely like, there's a baddie and now we got to figure out how to defeat him. And that's the purpose, oh, not okay. who's yeah. the baddie. I think I would like the other one. That Yeah, yeah that sounds fun. It's obviously. very much like, it's like, ooh, Mr. Holmes, Watson. I don't know. Especially right. the time frame it's set in and stuff. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I like figuring out. Obviously, it's good to have a villain. We have two in this book. We have right, Imogen and V-Tang. Right. And that is one way to do it. But I like being able to guess mm-hmm. and build the story and find the characters and stuff. It's amazing to me that she is able to map this out. Dude. 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 I can't wait. to. Is that the next one I'm going to read after Glass then? Yes. Like you guys are. Okay. Yes. And I I just, I yeah. I don't know. I I as I was reading it, I was like, why didn't I like this? And I think I didn't like it as much because there wasn't as much like flirty, sexy time because uh-huh. it's Victorian era, oh, okay. Victorian London. So it's a little more like, you know, they're a little more buttoned up or whatever, but I don't know. It makes it more exciting. Okay. I love it. I love it so much. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yes. <laughs> Which is why I'm so excited for the, for the show. Now that I've reread it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be an awesome show. Okay, I know I've asked a thousand times, and it's because I haven't read them yet. But that's what it's based off of, is that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The BBC one that we had talked about a few months ago. That makes sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hopefully it goes through. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. What do you say we cut the chit-chat and kick things off with Robin's Recap? Previously on Downworld or Dish. 
Everyone is starting to rumble awake at the world's most epic slumber party. At least it would be if the circumstances were different. Clary and Magnus are fighting over shower time, and Clary is waking the house up with coffee. Chase and Alec come in the front room and kill the mood, although they did bring donuts, so fair is fair. Recounting the night, Clary says that the reason the Rom demons left was because they were scared of her and the new rune that she's marked with. You know, the one she made. Everyone apart from Luke is like, girl, you did not just say you made up a rune. And Clary says that she most certainly did. The Seelie Queen all but told them that she had this special power and they can't lie. And everyone's like, okay, prove it. So she goes to get her sketch pad and they decide that the rune that she should make is fearless. They wisely test its powers on Alec since Jace isn't a good candidate and Luke can't bear runes. They don't have to wait long to see if it's effective. As moments later, the Inquisitor and remaining Lightwood, Sans Max, make their way into the house. Alec almost tells them about him and Magnus, thus verifying the power of the rune. The cliff notes in the last two chapters are recounted to the whole class, and Jace is seemingly betrayed by Alec and arrested on his way back to Idris. And on his way back to Idris. Damn, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Lots went down. That was clunky. I'm sorry. It was beautiful. No, it wasn't. And I really wish I was at that sleepover. Same. I just, uh, I don't know. Different circumstances, like I said, but. (sighs) It would still be fun. All right. So with the Inquisitor and crew gone, Luke and Clary are left alone wondering what the hell they're going to do now. Luke, a true caffeine addict, announces that more coffee is the first order of business. And same. He's my bro. (laughs) Dude. That was definitely the, I'd be like, don't. I just need more coffee, especially with like how hungover he is right now. Like I can totally see me just being like, just, 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 just wait. <laughs> Let me get my coffee. Andy and I shared a pot of coffee today and we seriously contemplated stopping at Starbucks while we were out at the park with Lincoln. No, we didn't need that. <laughs> so once he's down another cup of Joe, Luke makes the brilliant assessment that the situation with Jace is bad. Very, very bad. (laughs) Clary's like, no shit, Sherlock. What the fuck are they going to do to him? And Luke, having grown up in Idris and with intimate knowledge of the clave's inner workings, gives Clary the bad news. If Jace is extradited to Idris, he'll face a trial before the clave and most likely be found guilty. Because he's still considered a child, they'll probably just strip his marks and banish him to the mundane world. But as Clary points out, that's just as bad as killing him. It's Luke's turn to no shit Sherlock Clary. He explains that the, the he explains that the clave doesn't give a shit about Jace, but since they can't get to Vtang, his son will have to do. And that means Clary's inching towards the clave's shit list too. So you, <laughs> so you better lay low. Yeah, right. That's her expertise. Luke, a real-life adult and seemingly the only one who thinks beyond the immediate task at hand, wonders what Imogen might wonders what Imogen plans to do with the new information of Valentine's whereabouts and explains that they very likely could find themselves in the middle of a war. Fun times. <laughs> Clary's like, the bitch can have V-Tang. I just want Jace. <laughs> we know. We know. <laughs> and Luke's all, it ain't that simple seeing seeing as Jace actually totally 100% committed the crime he's accused of committing. Anyway, slice it. He's in deep shit big time. <laughs> big time. Big Slap time. Slap at the base. Clary is dense and is... <laughs> She's dense as shit. How dense is shit? Depends on what you've eaten. Okay. Clary is dense like a constipated shit. <laughs> 
and is all, he didn't kill the silent brothers. The shadow brothers. <laughs> the shadow brothers, yes. Luke, I imagine he's banging his head repeatedly on the kitchen table at this point. Seriously. Is like, duh. I know he didn't kill bro Jay and his bro friends, <laughs> but he definitely went to see demon dictator daddy. It's <laughs> beautiful. Clary's like, right, 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 right. Subject change. And their call, their conversation is as, as follows. <clears throat> what do you, what did you mean when you said we'd failed him? Not the other way around. You mean you don't blame him? I do. And I don't Luke looked weary. It was a stupid thing to do. Valentine isn't to be trusted. But when the Lightwoods turned their backs on him, what did they expect him to do? He's still just a child. He still needs parents. If they won't have him, he'll go looking for someone who will. I thought maybe, said Clary, maybe he was looking to you for that. Luke looked unutterably sad. I, I've never seen that word before. Um, <clears throat> I thought so too, Clary. I thought so too. And okay, so Luke is like, I mean, that has tears. real tears here, guys. Oh, Luke is like Lucian two times. Seriously. He has to say everything twice to make it count. <laughs> My dad had a friend that his name was Bob, and we called him Bobby two times because everything he said, he repeated. That's great. He's like, right, right. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go. We're going to go up here. Yeah, yeah. Just up here. Up, 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 up here. <laughs> Like, literally everything he said. (laughs) What a cool nickname. That guy's so lucky. My mom told every story so many freaking times I was going to get her a notebook so she could check off people's names (laughs) once she told the story because I was done. (laughs) That's what that reminds me of. Bobby two times. My sister-in-law's so sweet. She just goes, yeah, you were saying that. (laughs) Okay, I told you this. Got it. Sorry. <laughs> I I've told Jason like all of my stories. Yeah. So every once in a while I'll tell him a new story and it'll be like but most of the time he's just like, Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. That's how Robin and I'm like, I start telling her something. She's like, Yeah, you told me that once. I'm like, Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. You know legit everything about me. Okay. While Alec was professing his love, Magnus was covering, Jace was getting arrested, Isabel was storming off, Alec was betraying his parapetai, Luke was main- mainlining coffee, and Clary was freaking the fuck out, Maya, forgotten in the bedroom, was trying to make a break for it. I can't blame Maya for wanting to escape without any more awkward Shadowhunter interactions. And they obviously forgot about her, so like, whatever. Yeah. She leaves a Dear John letter on the bed. Like. <laughs> <laughs> And using her person slash wolf skills with a Z, <laughs> jumps out the window, fleeing, fleeing the sight of her embarrassment, as I'm sure we've all wanted to do at some point in our lives. Yes. Maya does the quintessential movie over the shoulder glance back towards the house, but no one is rushing out to stop her. And it's honestly soup sad. Yeah, like, for yeah. sure. Like I, I read that. I was just like, Ooh. I honestly thought when we finished chapter 14. That I had missed her leaving. Because they're like, it's talked about just leaving like Luke and Claire there. I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, what about Maya? Did she leave? Yeah. Right? Everyone forgot about her. Unforgettable. Not author. Oh, yeah, she's still there. Gotta write this into the next chapter. Oh, I'm kidding. 
Okay, so Maya's weaving through the streets, making sure to avoid walking right past Luke's front door on her way to the subway, which I thought was a fun little piece because, like, you know, if it was Clary, she would just walk right by the front of the house. Yeah. (laughs) Maya hadn't been honest with the group. Her hangover wasn't that bad, and she definitely remembered what happened with Simon the night before. Playing the scene over in her head, Maya's feeling especially shitty since she actually liked Simon and now that he's a vamp it kind of puts a damper on their budding friendship. There was a hollow place in the pit of her stomach that ached when she thought of him. He was the first person she'd wanted to trust in years and and he's made trusting him impossible. Of course if trusting him is impossible then why are you on your way to see him right now? Came the whisper in the back of her head that always spoke to her in Daniel's voice. Shut up, she told it firmly. Even if we can't be friends, I owe him an, I owe him an apology at least. Um, did I miss something here? When did Maya, in the whole two times that she's ever met Simon in her entire life, find out where he lives? Is she planning to stif- sniff him out? Like, I have questions. Yeah, she's following his scent. Right. <laughs> did she, he, like, grab a hoodie? He left his like, blood trail as he went home. Right. I just don't, like, how does, like... She's like, she's making me believe in love again. But it's like, you talk to him for a second outside an office door. And then, okay, maybe they're texting. Maybe she white paged him. I don't think any of, I think she just like thought he was harmless. (laughs) I mean, given her history, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't fault her for that. But I think it was just like, oh, this is a nice guy. It's like an actual nice guy without ulterior motives. But still, I think she's putting a lot of weight on those two whole times she's met him. I just want to know who has inner monologue that sounds like someone else's voice. Yeah. That's Not weird. me. I don't like that. Not me. No. No one. That's who. Mm-hmm. Okay. So all this darting around empty streets business is sketching Maya out in a big way. And even though she's a Banff person wolf and could totally take any mundane that try to come at her, her gut is telling her she needs to get off the street. So Maya ducks into an abandoned sugar factory because that's totes less creepy than a sleepy neighborhood. So creepy. Right? I don't get like, that. Who thinks that that's a good idea? A teenager. Hey guys, editing Kristen here. Um, If you want to know what we're talking about, go ahead and check out the map on our Instagram. This sugar factory, Domino's, is a real life place Mm -hmm. in Brooklyn, New York. And here's the Williamsburg Bridge. Yep. Okay. If you go to the other point on the map. What do you have driving here? What are your directions? Where? I'll show you. Okay. Ooh. ah. Okay. The other map point. Where? Up here? Up top. Yep. Okay, see it? The red? Yeah. That's the subway station Maya's walking to. That's okay. That's far. That's the sugar factory. Okay. Over here. Okay. That's where we're starting. So from the sugar factory to Bedford Avenue Station. Okay. So she says that she jumps over the chain link fence, mm-hmm. jogs up the alley onto Kent Avenue. The sugar factory is on Kent Okay. And so then she's walking. She crosses the street. Mm-hmm. And she's walking up. And she runs to the sugar factory. Right. So he's got to live in that rectangle box right there. Okay. And, and he lives right in front of the river, right? <gasps> oh, yeah. Because they ran. His face was in the water when the demons right. were there. 
It doesn't go anywhere else, obviously, because oh. it's just a picture. Okay. Yes, that makes sense of where she was going, but it doesn't make sense for Luke being in the front yard and being down by the... Like, did they didn't say they run like blocks. Right here on Kent, then. They made it sound like he lived right off the river. Yeah, like it was his front yard. Also. Yeah. So it's like, oh, did they walk... Did they run all the way down the block to go get him? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, like, I... It, it makes me want... And then I'm like, do any of these places have... None of these places have driveways or front yards. Yeah, that's that's the questionable that's thing. That's the thing that what, made what's me on the so corner confused. lot right there. Where? Right there. Right here? Down. Down here? Um, the corner lot right there. See this? Yep. It looks like a construction zone. Maybe, Maybe it wasn't. his house. Yep. Right. Luke's house is gone. Everything makes sense now. That is also a very prime piece of real estate though for sure yeah but like that never and then okay so he's got the way it's described he has a driveway a front lawn and a front stoop okay so albeit his front lawn might not be that big it might be you know of grass right something and then a front door and then we know he's got a back door Mm -hmm. and a backyard with a little fence that leads to an alley and at least some bushes Where's the entrance to the bookstore? Yes. It's not his front. It's not his front door because that leads straight into his living room. Yeah. I just don't know. It's stressing me out. It, it does kind of make me a little bit bonkers because I'm like, I need actual, like, either it needs to be 100% a real place or it needs to be a completely made up place. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like the, the half and half makes me a little. Well, maybe he lives on River Street and she walked up to Kent. Yeah, possibly to like avoid walking in front of the house. I mean, and again, this was 15 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this could all be totally different. Anyway, it, it's way too much. We just had to talk about it. Mm-hmm. The Sugar Factory is a real landmark. Love it. We take this stuff way too seriously there's got to be a simple explanation we're making it complicated but i like it i do well and i love that you like like okay which turn did she make which direct direction did she go i really like that that's good so when i was reading it it's like okay she's kent and then i just assumed it was just a neighborhood not a street mm-hmm. uh, okay like a district sort of yeah thing. just like towards kent okay whatever and then when they said the sugar place i was like i wonder if that's real it is i love it yeah I like it a lot. Good job. I told you you were a detective. Well, I feel like, you know that set of books where it's like the collector's edition? Mm-hmm. And the spine of them makes a scene where it's yeah. all of them standing. I feel like, to me, the view from that is Luke's. Yes. It's like his front yard looking up at the bridge. Yeah. That's, to me, what I feel like. Yeah. But I don't know. Same Z's. I also want to know, like, how... He could afford a place like that. Because you know that's got to be, like, just ridiculously expensive. It was inherited. EFU. From who? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> it's also not exclusive farm use. <laughs> Magnus gave it to him. Right. <laughs> All right. So Maya is in this super creepy sugar factory. And a voice from her past calls out from the shadows. She turns around and it's Daniel. Her very dead, psychotic brother. And he's out for blood. Mm. Maya's like, oh, you're definitely supposed to be dead. 
And Daniel's all, you didn't cry at my funeral. And remember when I told you I was going to cut out your tongue? And I'm over here like, whoa, that escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, you totally have a right to be totally freaked out about him. <laughs> so I just said totally 14 times. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I said like a bunch in mine. Well, the, earlier I said shit every sentence. <laughs> <laughs> And when I do like, I'm like, you know what? I'm not saying like. It, they're all similes, okay? <laughs> this is proper grammar. I am refined. <laughs> like this sugar factory. <laughs> I was just going to say. Like the Sour Patch Kids? Yeah. Yeah. So Maya's totally paralyzed by fear as Daniel comes closer, a jagged piece of glass in hand, ready to make good on his promise. Another voice cuts through the terror, and it's V-Tang. Yeah? I have a confession. Yeah. It's obviously been a long time since I read this, and I was like, wait, is he a vampire? <laughs> like, did he fake his death? Oh, damn. So that way he could, like, be, like, living a vamp life? And then I read the next one, I was like, God, you are so dumb. <laughs> You're not dumb. I would be like, how is he still yeah. alive? Like I would I would have questions. I have some input after we find out who it is. Okay. So another voice cuts through her terror. It's V Tang calling off his pet greater demon, admonishing him for nearly killing Maya. But not out of concern for our girl. Oh no. V Tang is pure evil. Whatever he has planned for Maya is bound to be far worse. Oh, he's so creepy. Okay, really quick, I have to ask. So obviously, this greater demon knows what your greatest fear is. Mm -hmm. But he clearly knew also what Daniel had said to Maya about cutting out her tongue. So does he know like everything about you? I don't think that the demon knows. I think the demon projects whatever your like gets into your mind okay. and then like, projects what your worst fear would be. Okay. So all that so information's in your mind. Yeah. And you're doing it to yourself basically. Got it. Makes sense. Okay, thank you. What if the only thing you had to fear was fear itself? So then you were afraid of the actual demon. Would you know what he really looks like? Would you? What well, if you just saw the fearless room and you were like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Without preamble, V-Tang asks Maya how old she is. When she doesn't give him a satisfactory answer, he brings his boot down viciously on her hand and repeats the question. Maya, snarky as ever, basically tells him to go fly a kite. Needless to say, this displeases V-Tang. <laughs> it displeases all of us because of what she says her age is. So go on. Oh, God. Go okay. On. That was rude. Sorry. So a bar of light seemed to leap between his fingers. He slashed it down and across her face so quickly she didn't even have... So quickly she didn't have time to jerk back. A hot line of pain burned its way across her cheek. She slapped a hand oh, she slapped a hand to her face. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> she slapped a hand to her face and felt blood slick her fingers. Now, Valentine said, in the same precise and cultured voice, How old are you? Fifteen, I'm fifteen. She sensed rather than saw him smile. Perfect. Okay. Not to take away from the shock and horror of Maya being captured by V Tang and being like cut and whatever but how in the actual fuck is she 15 wrong fake mm -hmm. news 
seriously. I just, I, and, okay, so you remember, chapter one, I was like, bitches, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I'm going to scroll up to that. I feel like Charlie Day in that fucking meme with the with the strings. I don't know who Charlie Day is. The guy from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, I don't. I don't watch. That. It's a meme. It's the meme where he's got a bunch of stuff and there's like strings and he's all crazy and he's oh. like, ha. <laughs> like that's what I feel like right now. Okay. Did you find it? I found it. Awesome. Let's do this. All right. So, chapter one of City of Ashes. I said, let's pay attention to Maya's age throughout this book because I have questions. So, the breakdown goes as follows. Her brother Daniel broke her arm in ninth grade when she was 14 to 15, right? That's when you're in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. That's when you're a freshman in high school. He died when she was in 10th grade, which would be 15 to 16. The following year would be 11th grade when she was 16 to 17. She met Jordan, the abusive ex-boyfriend. And she describes the length of their relationship as the first few months were a dream. The last few months were a nightmare. So few means three. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I will give you anywhere between five and six months there. Right. For the total that they dated. At the least. Yeah. Right. So shortly after their breakup, Jordan bit Maya and turned her into a person slash wolf. So. At minimum, she was 16 when she met Jordan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then six months, right? Mm-hmm. So, half, so 16 and a half minimum. And shortly after their breakup, so let's give it a month, right? So seven months. <clears throat> they turned her and then she had to wait for the full moon. Okay. So let's say it's another month mm-hmm. for the full moon. So that's eight months. Okay, and then let's see. Uh, She took off to Manhattan and fell into the pack. And now we know that Luke is her fourth pack leader and that she used to date Bat way back when, but now they're just friends. That can't be, that can't be like, that can't have all happened in a month. Right. Right. So at minimum, she's like 17 and a half. Yeah. So how is she 15? That makes no sense. Unless she's lying about her age. But to what? Avail? Why? Right. Why? She right. doesn't know anything. Right. And it doesn't ever get corrected. So. Plus, how old is Bat? Yeah. I He was the bartender, right? He so, was the DJ. Okay. 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 So, I mean, I'm assuming Bat's like 18. But he could be younger, I suppose. No, I don't. Think he's so. like twenty six, bro. Yeah. Listen I, to that I, name. I, I do think he's older, yeah. but I mean, yeah. I don't. There's a lot. She's not living for it. It's, it's annoying to me, and I'm like, okay, I could forgive it if it that part from chapter one happened in the first book. Mm-hmm. But it's the same book. Yeah, I it, agree. It's literally fourteen chapters later. Like you can't. You forgot already how old she It's such a yeah. huge loophole that it's going to drive me nuts. It's weird. I feel like that should be our one question if we ever. Right. How old is Maya really? Tell us the truth. All right. Well, we'll Sorry. go on. We'll move on from this and maybe we'll come back to it someday. 
<laughs> you know we will. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> you I'm glad I stopped doing that. You know I'm never going to let it go. Oh, never going to give again. you up on the recap. Oh, you just rickrolled our listeners. Great. Now it's in my head. What can I say except you're welcome. I wear my sunglasses. All right. Well, as Robin would call her, Quizzington Bear ushers Jace upstairs to the training room. She catches Jace looking at himself in the mirror, noticing. <laughs> I do this all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. He, she catches him looking in the mirror at himself, noticing how beat to shit he looks. And she's like, dude, you're so vain. I bet you think this meeting's about you. Don't you? Don't you? <laughs> into it and she's all ew gross ew you could totally be my son jace gets kind of serious and he's like his name was steven right and her motherly rage comes out and she's like don't you ever say his name again." and death we're all (laughs) seriously i really what robert paulson robert paulson i was trying to think of the other one that i just we have a name (laughs) we're all robert paulson Okay, two things. Number one, somebody actually, it was my brother, because he's a butthole, was like, why are you looking at yourself every time you walk by a window? And I'm like, everybody does that. Don't say it out loud. <laughs> Literally nobody <laughs> likes you. <laughs> Especially not your mom. Oh, it's true, though. It's true. You have to see how terrible you look. It's not because you want to see how good you look. Exactly. Except oh. for my daughter. When she was six, I got her a new jacket for like a dressy jacket. <laughs> and I caught her looking in the mirror and I'm like, what are you looking at, sweetie? She grabs her collar real quick. She's like, I just really like the way I look. Yeah. <laughs> she just okay. liked the jacket. but Okay, to be fair, like you just said that you only look to see how bad you, I always look because I'm like, damn. <laughs> Good for you. That's great. I wish I felt that way. When I stand in front of the mirror in the bathroom, that's when I'm like, uh, uh. but when I walk by, I'm like, ooh, my butt looks good. <laughs> Mine's usually opposite. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I go into the bathroom, I instantly suck in. <laughs> stand up straight. Yeah, and I stand up straight. And I'm like, oh, what's up, girl? <laughs> and then I'm out in the real world. Like when we're in, on inspections, she does. She looks in every customer's beer at herself. Mirror. I said beer. Mm hmm. Yeah. And then I mouth to. to Amanda, I'm so fat. <laughs> and I have to cheer her up all in front of the customer without them knowing. <laughs> Usually it's more like, but I'll, if I'll catch my reflection in anything, a shiny car, I'll be like, damn, I'm cute. But like my face. Because <laughs> your body never looks good in a car. No, it's all distorted. <laughs> exactly. But your face can still look cute. You have butter face. <laughs> hmm? You have butter face. Oh, in, in a car, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wait, it would be opposite. Because Butterface is everything's good, Butterface. Oh, oh that's, that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> butter body. <laughs> butter body, exactly. Exactly. You have a peanut butter body. <laughs> <laughs> you have opposite Butterface. <laughs> I could totally imagine someone who's like socially awkward saying that to someone. You have opposite Butterface. Alec, you mean? Yeah. As if it was should be a compliment. <laughs> like it's just a joke. That's like saying you're pretty for a fat girl. <laughs> oh my god. Seriously. Drives me bonkers. 
sorry it keeps stepping on you i know like you're pretty fly for a white guy yeah (laughs) (laughs) give it to me baby sorry back to 1999 actually i think that was more like 98 anyway (laughs) so (laughs) so the quiz inquisitor tells jace to go to the corner nose to the corner like time out she throws four serif blades around him like a compass and then she draws a rune on the floor and jace didn't recognize it but he knew it was some sort of a clave ritual it was um something that was above his pay grade (laughs) to know its power so he didn't know what it did so um these blades of light as soon as she draws the rune shoot up and create like a box like a waterfall and jace tried to touch it which why like (laughs) like obviously danger will robinson danger and um electro he got an electric shock through his entire body and it like kicked him to the floor and the inquisitor just laughed at him (laughs) and explained that the clave calls it the malachi confirmation oh we got a malachi confirmation here (laughs) the children of the corn have arrived (laughs) so she tells him that as long as the seraph blades remain in place it cannot be broken I don't think you actually said Malachi configuration. Did I not correct myself? Oh, conformation. I I could be wrong. So (laughs) she explains that the clave call it the Malachi configuration. And as long as the serif blades remain in place, it cannot be broken. And she adds that if he touches, um, if he touches a blade, he will die. And uh, his hand started to bleed, so he asks about the cuffs. Since he's in a freaking electric box, why does he need cuffs? And she's like, yeah, yeah, you should have thought about that before you saw Valentine. Dude, okay, he's I legit bleeding. have a big question. Okay. Because I couldn't remember, and I was too lazy to go back and read, and then I didn't think about doing it now. When she cuffed him, instantly i imagined his hands being behind his back they were in front of him i feel like they were like this yep together he said they were when when she did it they were crossed okay oh okay because i think he offered them like this but like when she did it they they were crossed okay. like when she pulled away clary saw that but yeah gotcha okay i imagine his interests together anyway it's seems very painful after a while to have your arms that close together i tried to do it just now and it's uncomfortable for like a second he also doesn't have breasts that's a very good point i was gonna say large ones like mine but that is terrible (laughs) he doesn't have breasticles yeah so then um and he's way more fit than we are (laughs) that's true he's probably stretched a couple times (laughs) in his life right I have a hard time sitting crisscross applesauce. Robin pulled a muscle doing yoga last week. So. We and I haven't even done yoga. I have I have nowhere to talk. So no, it's fine. I just keep calling it yogurt because I think I'm so funny. I bet Adriana thinks that's hilarious. Oats my goat. She made fun of me actually. She's like, dude, I see someone searching on YouTube for yoga. Is that you? <laughs> No bitch, it's William. <laughs> I was like, yeah, why? She's she like, uh, why? And I was like, mm, probably because I'm trying to do beginner yoga. Like, you're totally raising a mean girl. <laughs> I was going to send this to you and I forgot. This is your daughter. But she's mean to you. <laughs> yeah. She's just mean to you. For real. I was like, I can't read it. <laughs> Put your glasses on, bitch. Uh, all right. 
So Jace points out that the clave can't do much worse than this, than like what the Inquisitor has done. And Quizzy tells him her plan isn't actually to take him to the clave. She's just going to make a trade with Valentine. That bitch. Yeah. Jace for the mortal instruments. Jace tells her it's a terrible plan because Valentine would never make that trade. (laughs) You have the wrong Pokemon cards. Yes. You have the wrong guy. And she's like, no, I know it's you, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, 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 not me. My dad. (laughs) He would never do that. Yeah. uh, He says Valentine would rather watch. um, No, Valentine would rather watch Jace die in front of him than give up the sword or the cup. And she says, you don't understand. Children never do. The love a parent has for a child. There is nothing like it. No other love so consuming. No father, not even Valentine, would sacrifice his son for a hunk of metal, no matter how powerful. And she doesn't realize to him it's not just a hunk of metal, even though that is his son. You know, it's just... And it wouldn't even matter. Yeah. (laughs) Like, can you imagine just... So, yes, we know that, yeah, you have absolutely no idea who Valentine is, Imogen. You're completely out of your depths here. But imagine how that feels for Jace, seeing what a normal parent... Yeah. And knowing in your heart and in your soul that your dad would never do that for you. That's very sad. Well, and what's even more sad is um, the Lightwoods probably would. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right. So I, I doubt he's really thinking of that in this moment, but right. I'm sure he will later because he's left to his own thoughts for a little bit here. Right. So, so yeah, he's like, yeah, not my daddy. <laughs> he would laugh at that offer. And the Inquisitor's like, you're just trying to convince me to let you out and it's not working. So Jace tells her that he truly believes that Valentine truly believes what he's doing is God's work and that he won't give that up for anyone. Um, so he wouldn't give that up for anyone, not even his own son. He tells her that Valentine, he tells her of Valentine's plan of summoning demons and being able to control them. And he urges her to stop wasting his time with him, with, you know, with Jace, because Valentine is building his army as they speak. And she's like, nah, bro, I'm tired of listening to you and your lies. Your father deserves to hold the lifeless body of his own son in his arms and know that there isn't any way to bring him back. And then she left. Dude. Oh my God. (laughs) Like, he is still a child. And I I get it. Valentine Valentine is evil. He's he's a bad dude. Imogen is more evil. Yes. Like cuz cuz it's out of revenge mm-hmm. and vindictiveness and she's willing to Okay, so we go back to Clary's point of view. And she's trying to call Izzy but doesn't get an answer. Luke goes back to check on Maya and she's gone. So she left a note that says, sorry about everything. Is she gone like a freight train? Gone like yesterday. Like the soldiers. And the Civil, in the Civil War. War. Bang, bang. I don't know what song you're talking it's about. It's Montgomery Gentry. Jeez Louise. I, I only listen to country when Jason listens to country. Okay, usually. Jason. Montgomery Gentry. Get her up to speed. It's a good song, dude. That was a good reference. Thank you. But she was also gone. Baby, you're That's in sync. Okay. Anywho, she was gone. I was a Backstreet Boy. No, you were not. We yes, can't be friends, dude. Get the fuck out. In fact, look what they had at Target yesterday. They didn't have my size. I was so upset. I almost cried. Seriously. I took a picture of it so I could tell my friend from middle school to go get it. I had this shirt that I got from their concert when I was 13. And they just, they only had it in a large. There's no way that would fit me. That's a youth yard. Or a, junior large anyway was really sad okay (laughs) i 
you could buy something like that on the internet. I looked on their website, on Target, Target's website, and they didn't have it. You're right. <laughs> you meant InSync's website? I'm like, they still have a website? They might. I'll go look, because that's a good point. It wouldn't just be Target. Okay. So anyway, Maya's note says, sorry about everything. Gone to make amends. Thanks for all you've done. Maya. And Clary wonders if she means to make amends with Simon, so she calls him. Yeah. <laughs> like he's the only person in her life. But she is. Okay. <laughs> All right. So anyway, she calls Simon and he's very quick to remind her that he's nocturnal now. And that's why she hadn't already called him. <laughs> and um, she tells him about Maya and um, that she thinks that, oh, he thinks that either she hasn't gotten there yet or she isn't coming to his house. And then he tells her to hang on because it sounds like something's someone's breaking into his house. Someone needs a security system. Simply safe, bro. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're, we quickly go back to Jace's point of view. <laughs> These chairs are horrid. <laughs> I, I know, I know. <laughs> That's why I was laughing. So um, we go back to Jace's point of view, and he's been lying um, there staring at the ceiling when Alec walks in. Now I have to say, when I was imagining her throwing these serif blades, whatever, that it was like, enough space for him to stand because you would think that would be even more mm. of a punishment but apparently it must have been enough space for him to lay down lie down mm-hmm. anyway um alec attempts to touch the wall again why <laughs> <laughs> and jace is like no it'll shock you and maybe kill you don't do it so they um discuss the inquisitor and jace calls himself a very naughty boy which <laughs> i just don't like it no thank you don't do that <laughs> He's like, I kill kittens and stuff, which I think he's said before, which makes me wonder if he's killed a kitten. <laughs> Are you kitten? <laughs> me? Gotta be kitten. <laughs> All right. So they discuss the Inquisitor and Jace calls himself a very naughty boy, which I don't like. No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I know he's joking, but it's still a no for me, dog. <laughs> and Alec reminds him about the serious situation that they're in and tells him it's not a joke. He asks him what he was thinking going to see Valentine. And Jace is like, dude, he's my dad. And Jace admits that he was just going, he was thinking that it's his father. Like, you know, I, I, it sounds like he really wasn't thinking about it too much. Mm-hmm. Curiosity killed the cat, you yeah. know. He's a cat killer. Excuse me. Anyway, he asks him, Jace asks Alec, what would you do if it was your father? What if it was your father? What would you do? Is actually what he says. (laughs) And Alec is appalled. He's like, dude, my dad would never do the things yours has. Jace is like, bro, your dad was right next to him when they were in the circle. And guess what? Your mom was there too. Right? Bro. And he's like, they just got caught and mine didn't. And Alec was like, dude, he's a terrible person and he abandoned you. I remember how devastated you were as a 10-year-old boy. How could you want to see him after knowing he was alive? He knew... You know, he was alive all these years and didn't tell you. He just let you suffer. And so then Jace doesn't really answer that question. (laughs) He just tells him about Valentine's offer of not hurting anyone Jace cares about if he joined him. And Alec points out the roundabout way Valentine would have made the promise. He says, you mean he wouldn't hurt them himself? Nice. And I just think it's very mature for him to see through all this bullshit Valentine's spewing. Because that is exactly what would happen. That's my, my baby Alec. Yeah. <laughs> baby Alec. <laughs> so Alec reminds him of how bad it would go if he went against the clave like that. And then is like, 
I bet he was pretty TO'd when you turned him down. And Jason's like, well, how do you know that's what I did? Alec is like, we're bros. Parabatai, if you will. I know you. (laughs) Jason's like, yeah, you got me. So Alec asks if he had told Quizzy about Valentine's plan and if she cared. And Jason's like, she didn't believe me. And she has a shitty plan of her own. Alec is like, okay, time to get you out of here. Jason's like, whoa, I thought you thought I deserved this. And Alec is all, um, I had to say that to get that. (laughs) I had to say that shit to get Quizzy on my side. That way she wouldn't watch my every move like she's doing to Izzy and Max. I'm with you always. Mm. So sweet. Because they went through the whole ritual, right? It's like a marriage. How could he just turn against him? Right. right. It's sad Jace thought that. And Alec is just smarter than the rest of them. Yeah. I'm starting to like him more. <laughs> smarter than the average bear. Uh, so. If not awkward. More awkward. Definitely. <laughs> he points out that it seems like she has it out for Jace for some reason. Um, not Not just for what's going on now, but something else that she has out for him and jace tells him that luke had said something about her having a son named steven and that she was looking for vengeance and tells alec about when he asked her about him and she freaked out so then he tells alec to use izzy's phone to text clary to ask luke (laughs) i just want to know why doesn't alec use his own phone maybe he doesn't have her number but why text clary like this seems really important that seems like it would warrant a phone call why (laughs) okay well if Jace has the phone. Well, he maybe he can't get it out of his pocket. Yeah. Because, like, why true. can't he just use his own phone? Mm-hmm. Or if he doesn't have his phone, just tell Alec to use his phone. He, well. I mean, if, like, if it wasn't on it. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. If it wasn't on his person. But. I think it's probably because Alec probably doesn't have Clary's number because right. he's, he's been reluctant to allow Clary into the loop. And Izzy definitely has Clary's number. Right. But it's just weird to text, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially back in the early 2000s. People didn't text like they do now. Well, it was like 2007. 2000. So, like, I think texting was still cool. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You I your... hate talking on the phone, so. Same. <clears throat> Preach. I don't like texting, so. Love it. It's my it's my jam. Text me. Don't call me. Yeah. Well, because then I have time to think about my yes. answers and, like, craft something that is expressive of what I'm actually trying to say versus uh, uh, uh. <laughs> my answer is usually <laughs> lol it takes up too much time I mean I like memes and stuff but if I'm actually trying to relay information or have a conversation that's uh, over like what time's lunch seven cool it's just too much Who you never lunch call me <laughs> Um, somebody that works <laughs> swing shift. Okay. We are back to Clary's point of view and she is freaking out. I'm assuming under normal circumstances, someone breaking into a vampire house is bad news for the burglar, not the vamp. But we're in Clary's world and nothing is ever as it seems. True. She tells Simon to get the fuck out, but he reminds but he reminds her that he can't, seeing as how if he did, he would catch on fire. And Luke is ready for action, and they are going to drive to him, and in the meantime, he needs to lock himself in his room. Simon's piling things in front of the door, his desk and bed, to name a few, strong. to reinforce it. And Clary wants a play-by-play over the phone of everything that's happening at his house. 
My first thought was to scoff, but I'm sure um, he can maybe pick up something with his super vampy senses. Like, listen, tell me what's happening now. Right. Do you think it feels like she's yelling at him even when she's whispering because he can hear so well? Like overly sensitive? Luke wants Cleary to keep Simon talking on the phone. He tells him that he heard the front door break down, like someone kicked it in, and then his cat ran and hid under the bed. But now he can't hear anything, and he's wondering how his mom is going to take all of this in when the phone is suddenly disconnected. Clary frantically redials, and Simon's like, whoops, my bad. The cat scratched me, and I dropped the phone. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> it's so funny. It's anyway, something that I would do. For real, Wednesday would eat you. (laughs) (laughs) A few seconds of relief later, and um, she hears this noise through the other end of the phone. She she checks, and it's still connected to the call, but Simon isn't answering. And there is some shady shit going down for show. She hears a click and then a familiar douchey voice. Clarissa, how did I know you would be on the other end of this call? She's like, ah, crap, it's (laughs) V-Tang. It's my dad. Oh. Dad, what are you doing there? You're the worst prankster ever. Okay. <gasps> what are you doing? He goes, hey there, kiddo. Hey there. Hello there. Hello there. I like it better when you say it. It's my favorite. Okay, so we get the scene. Okay, I don't know how to take this. Because when I read it the first time, I was like, no. And then I read it again, I'm like, mm. So, this is what I'm saying, okay? It kind of is a little reminiscent of Jace. I'm not sure if I'm feeling it or if I'm reading it wrong. Because I kind of feel like this conversation is something like that Jace would have. But Jace would be sarcastic, and I'm pretty sure that Valentine is serious. Okay. So, it goes a little something like this. Like this and like that and like this and that. You mean father, he said, sounding genuinely annoyed. I deplore this modern habit of calling one's parents by their first names. What I actually want to call you is a hell of a lot more unprintable than your name, she snapped. Where's Simon? You mean the vampire boy? Questionable company for a shadow hunter girl of good family, don't you think? From now on, I'll be expecting to have a say in your choice of friends. What did you do to Simon? Nothing, said Valentine, amused. Yet. And he hung up. Like... It's like, because I was reading, I was like, oh, that's where Jace gets his little sassafras from. But then I thought about it. I'm like, no, I don't think that's supposed to be like a funny sarcastic. He is serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's for real, real. Mm-hmm. That's the real deal. I'm not into it. No. Quit being a creep. Yep. You creep. I like the mod, like this modern thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> this newfangled things. You with your, your yo-yos and yeah. your. Like what? What is it? We decided he's like my age, right? So come on. <laughs> right. That is something that just makes me crazy. <laughs> they're not old. Right. Like, so these parents act like they're, like, way, like, decades older than they actually are. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just stop it. Yeah. Or we are three very immature parents. <laughs> that too. Okay. To be fair, that might be the case. <laughs> I mean, listen to me talk. I have almost 20-year-old. So, <laughs> We bounce on over back to the Institute and Jace's point of view. He's lying on the floor trying to forget the pain in his wrist. And Alec comes back in and asks him, like, what you doing, bro? Which, according to his inner monologue, is actually a legit question. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
it seemed like I had this conversation with my kid today mm-hmm. because we were in line to get coffee and she's like, is that a Lambo? Which you are nine. You don't get to say Lambo. That's weird. <laughs> don't do that. Number one. She's like, don't worry, mom. It's Gucci. And I was like, I don't know. got I, my red bottoms. And anyway, I was like, sorry. I don't know. So we get closer and I look at the back and I'm like, oh, it's a Corvette. She's like, oh, what's that? It's a fucking snake, dude. Like, it's a car. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? What's that? I don't know. It just was on the other list of things that was irritating me about her at that moment. Like, that's what I told her. It's a fucking snake, bro. I, like, what do you think it is? It's a car. She's like, yeah, but is it expensive? Why do you care, dude? Gucci Mane over here, man. You are nine. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. Just expensive cars kind of look ugly. I was like, true. that's true. Wrong. Yeah. Anyway, it seems like an Alec thing. Like, what are you doing? I am lying in a prison cell, bro. What's up with you? <laughs> Captain Obvious. <laughs> and Jace had my same, I would say maternal, but no, reaction. He responds in his first language, sarcasm. Of course. <clears throat> Alec takes this as a good sign. It's a good omen. And tells the him to sit up because he's going to try to slip something through the wall. <laughs> Yeah, there's got to be a gap between them. I think it's like shimmer, like, like a, okay, so it's not constant. I, so there's like. It's like a flux thing. Yeah, I think it's like a, you could see through it, but it's like. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know what this means. <laughs> Words. Sorry. Anyway, she's like, let me see if I can slip it in. Chase jumps up and gets a freebie. <laughs> like baby. Like he got all like woozy. Yeah, right? yeah. Freebie. Phoebe said that. Yeah, Phoebe, not freebie. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, freebie. I had rush. Advising Alex again, Alec against whatever he's about to do. Like, don't do it, dude. But he doesn't listen, and he rolls an apple through the electric bars. Is what I'm calling them. I know they're not bars, but that's what's. It was a hard explaining it, mm-hmm. so I'm sticking with that. Mm-hmm. Jace is incredulous but happy, and asks Alec if he had any luck with Isabel. And he tells him that she won't let him get anywhere near her, keeps throwing things against her door of her bedroom and screaming, <laughs> telling him that if he makes his way into her room, she's going to jump out the window. <laughs> she obviously hasn't forgiven him for his fake turn coding. And Jace is like, oh, what a good girl. <laughs> and Alec agrees, but reminds him that they need her for the rest of their plan to work. And Jace tells him, yes, but it's the thought that counts. Alex slips something else, small and silvery, through the bars and tells Jace that it isn't, he's not sure if it's going to work or not, but he's seen his parents use it to remove handcuffs before. He thinks it's an unlocking rune. Jace awkwardly picks it up, and the moment he's able to touch it to the blue flame, it vanishes, freeing his wrists and hands. Thank, Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. They're with you, girl. In stereo. Alec tells Jace that when he was up arguing with Isabel, it made him think. He had told her that she should. <clears throat> <laughs> that she should. <laughs> okay. We really are immature. That's what it is. <laughs> I know. And I wrote this wrong. So I'm just having to kind of like take it more like bullet points. No, I think it's good. <laughs> she should actually jump out the window. He told her that she should actually jump out the window is what I wrote. No. Oh. <laughs> He, t- he tells her, like, you probably shouldn't actually jump out the window because if you do, you will probably die. Oh, my bad. Yeah. And it made him wonder if the same, same statement would be true in Jace's case. 
Has he seen him jump three stories and land like a cat? It's <laughs> one about cats with this book. What is it with these crazy kittens? Jay says, Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Oh, Sorry. shit. Yeah. Thank you. Jay says that hearing my achievements recited is certainly gratifying, but I'm not sure what your point is, Alec. And Alec is like, my point, dear Parabatai, is that our four walls, there are four walls to your prison, not five. And Jay's who can't stop the sarcasm train to actually use his critical thinking skills is like, I suppose Hodge was right to teach us geometry. If only she'd used two walls instead of four. Alka's like, bro, knock the sass off. What I'm trying to say is there's no top to the cage. There's nothing between you and the ceiling. <laughs> Jace is like, whoa there, kiddo. Those rafters are pretty high up. You're crazy. <laughs> now, he's like, you know what? Maybe I am crazy, but I've seen your shadow hunterness, and it's so shadowy and so huntery. <laughs> you could at least try. He tries to play that we've all done some amazing things when under pressure. None of which would equal jumping 30 feet in the air. But then he remembers Clary and all the impossible things she's done. And that blood runs through his veins as well. Wait, I said that. Hook it up. Get fucked up. But then he remembers Clary and all the impossible things she has done. And if that blood runs through her veins, then it runs through his as well. Jace stands up and surveys the room, picks up the apple, which like, dude, finish it, bro. Right? <laughs> you hungry. It's okay. <laughs> All you had was a donut. Come on. Uh, Do no, not apples tell donuts. me you're not still hungry. Yeah. He's a growing boy. He yeah. needs his <clears throat> calories. Mm-hmm. So he picks up the apple and throws it with all his force into the cell's wall and it bursts into molten blue flame. And he's like, oh, damn. She wasn't kidding. <laughs> Duh. What about the Inquisitor's Seriously. persona tells, makes you think that she's not completely 100% fully committed? Yeah, exactly. Like, she got this. Well, like you've touched it and you were shocked to the floor. Gosh. Oh, damn. <sighs> After seeing the results of his science experiment, Alec is less gung-ho on the whole Super Mario jump escape. But Jace quickly stifles him and tells him to stop watching because he's getting stage fright. Okay. I am Alec in this moment because I'm one of those people that like has a crazy idea. And then when you are like, okay, yeah, I'm game. I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa I didn't mean it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay. So really quickly, when I was picturing this, I was imagining like the hunchback of Notre Dame shit. Like there's rafters that are visible and everything. So do the walls... Is the idea is that they stop at the ceiling? So that's why he has to drop th- jump 30 feet. It's not like they're just six feet. He could, like, jump over them. Uh, right. We, it doesn't say how tall they are. I don't think they go all the way to the ceiling. Okay. But, like, he can't get a... Like, he can't, he can't arc. He can't arc, right? Oh, So duh. he has to okay. jump up to grab them to then move away from mm-hmm. and, and drop down. But it's like a it's like a gym, the training room yeah. for, with the open rafters. So it's So he high. should just... Um, parkour that shit and like jump off the wall anyway but he can't touch the oh wall. that's right there's four i was thinking he was in the corner anyway Silly. nobody puts baby in a corner this baby Jace baby alec isn't in the corner jb <laughs> jb okay guys hmm. i'm gonna bitch out here 
I'm going to read the last part of the chapter directly from the book because it's so beautifully written and I want to make sure that justice is served. (laughs) Do it. Whatever Alex said in response, Jace didn't hear it. He was doing a slow pivot in place, his eyes focused on the rafters. The runes that gave him excellent long sight kicked in, the rafters coming into better focus. He could see their chipped edges, their whole whorls and knots, right? Whorls and knots. Okay. Thank you. He could see their chipped edges, their whorls and knots, the black stains of age, but they were solid. They had held up the Institute roof for hundreds of years. They could hold a teenage boy. He flexed his fingers, taking slow, deep, controlled breaths, just as his father had taught him. In his mind's eye, he saw himself leaping, soaring, catching hold of a raft with ease and swinging himself up onto it. He was light, he told himself, light as an arrow, winging its way easily through the air, swift and unstoppable. It would be easy, he told himself, easy. I am Valentine's arrow, Jace whispered, whether he knows it or not. And he jumped. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I, I was like. What am I, you didn't write it down. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't like that Valentine's arrow thing. It's a no from me, dog. <laughs> Once again. No. Anyway, and then um, Cassandra clears a bitch, so that's how it ends. <laughs> Scoff. That's how we end every episode. <laughs> it's like another fucking cliffhanger. <laughs> Find out what happens next time on Down World or Dish. Just kidding. But seriously, do it, do it. <laughs> so yeah, that was a crazy ep- episode. That was a crazy chapter. Yeah, There's for a lot sure. That happened. I, I just, I want to write fanfic where I torture and murder Imogen. That would be popular. <laughs> I was gonna say you should make Valentine and Imogen date, but that I don't. Know, that was. Maybe, maybe, Stupid maybe, Amanda. maybe I can just like pull a saw and <laughs> stick, stick them in a room together and make yeah. them torture each other. <laughs> okay. That it. got dark. Yeah. Me too. I did it. It was me. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Make sure that you've read chapter 16, a stone of the heart for next week's episode. For behind the scenes content and the latest updates, check us out on Instagram at Downworlder Dish Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.